to INS, the International News Service, your source for the most important weird news from across the globe. With news analyst Kevin Harrison, actor, comedian, and musician Mike Wiebe, and professional commentator Brian Camp. INS, the news you need. Is a Prince Adam haircut the same as a Prince Valiant haircut? Oh, that's a good question. Mm, I think so. Prince yeah. Adam is blonde. It's totally different. Prince Valiant kind of has the page boy thing mm. where uh, I don't know how to describe it. The long part where there's like a sharp kind of very sharp corner to it. Did He-Man have... I thought He-Man's hair was feathered. I thought He-Man had like where it kind of curled under at the bottom to where his head looked like a bell a little Prince bit. Prince Valiant's probably does that a little bit too, huh? But he did have like the bangs. Bangs, right? yeah. Well, short bangs and then... Well, because when you're fighting, you don't want the hair in your eyes. It's, it's like the same hair. Is it? Yeah, it's a little scruffier in the bangs. But that's about the only difference here. Let me show you. I'm glad we're I'm glad we're starting with so it's this. A little, this so what... you can see here, like at Prince Adam's hair is a little bit a little bit less ruffled, where uh, He Man's is a little bit more out of control, but it's they're almost identical. Well then we got a picture over there of uh Taylor Swift. <laughs> I watched that movie Amsterdam, the David O. Russell movie Amsterdam. Uh-huh. Yeah. What do you think? It wasn't a great movie, but like everybody was really great in it. Like, and I, I guess I'm kind of spoiling it, but I wouldn't be talking about it if I wasn't bringing it up. Taylor Swift is briefly in the film, uh-huh. and she is brutally murdered and run over by a car, and it Whoa. is extremely satisfying. <laughs> and I don't even know that I, I don't know that I even hate her that much. I don't really even know that much about her. She's one of those people who is ridiculously famous and one of the biggest artists and now like she's not even like a new artist she's been like one of the biggest artists musical artists of the last i don't know what do you say like 20 years probably yeah Um, at least 15 at least 15 and i only know one song by her i've there's only one song which one and if you shake 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 I, I think I did a pretty good job of it. Uh, you're laughing, but I think I actually, I think actually, I, Brian's got his face covered. <laughs> it, it, but actually, I actually kind of fucking nailed it. Okay. Well, will you sing it. You sing it I then. Know. I don't know that song. I don't. I don't have the pipes. I'm not, I'm a little sick. I'm a little under the weather, Mike. Well, I can't. Warm up. I can't. I don't, feel, I don't feel good enough. I just don't feel up. To it. Listen, we need to listen. There's no, there's a little saying we have called the show must go on. And by we, I mean the carny folk that I grew up with. Didn't she sing the Romeo and Juliet song? Is another song she got famous for? The country song? Like she was a country artist mm-hmm. at first, right? Yeah, right. When she decided that was the best way to turn her already millions of dollars into more millions of dollars because she's just another dumb rich Romeo kid. Romeo and Juliet, that's, that's Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> Wait, what? Romeo and Juliet. That's like one line from Fear the Reaper. That's oh, Fear yeah, the that is Blue Oyster called Brian. Wow, the you... sun or the wind or the rain. We I can't believe you would confuse them, Brian. I already can't sing. I Somebody really can't. asked me once. I'm, I'm, at, I'm, at, I'm at a bar. They have karaoke. This guy with a live band, and this guy wanders over and goes, Hey, can you sing Don't Fear the Reaper? I need somebody for the sixth song tonight. I was just like, 
No, I am not humiliating myself in public like that, but thank Dude, you. Don't for the Reapers. That's not, wouldn't be too hard. It's kind of, you know, you just got to find that. There's not any like high notes. It's not like hitting the high notes in Rocket Man by Elton no. John. I, I can hit the high notes. I can't hit the low notes. A rocket man. <laughs> A rocket man. That's pretty good. Now do Tiny Dancer for us. I'm going to try and get Rocket Man better. Okay. Rocket Man. I can't, I can't do it. Hard, yeah. I can't do falsettos. I'm trying to learn them. I can't. You should sing Tiny yeah. Dancer. That was the best. Like freedom. Private Dancer. Private Dancer, Dancer for Money. Yeah, that's a good mm, one. That's a great song. And I like Tina Turner. That was pretty close. Me to do. Yep. Tina Turner can do no wrong. Thunderdome, uh, Private Dancer. Man, she's got great legs. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can gnaw on them. Uh, you know, like in Thunderdome. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. I like that. I like those crazy earrings she had too. The Thunderdome. What can we do without love? <laughs> this episode is off the rails. Oh, we are recording, huh? Yeah. Mm. I'm having some tea. You guys drink tea? No, I'm a I'm a man, so I drink coffee. <laughs> I got well, I'm, a, I'm, I'm American. I'm an American man, so I drink coffee. <laughs> you need to get Bigelow's constant comment. That's the only tea you need. Bam Bam Bigelow's. Bam Bam Bigelow's. Famous wrestler, Bam Bam Bigelow. Did he eat? Turnbuckles, or is that just George the no, Animal? No, that's Steel? George the Animal Steel. Who I met and had a had a nice little connection with, and then he died like a year later. Oh, really? Yeah. Was like sexual? Did you murder him? No, just you said you know. when you said it, it sounded like it was more of a lovers' rendezvous. It was yeah. no, no, it was more. Yeah, like, it sounded like it sounded like we you were in Cabo, okay, by yourself over like like trying to recover from a particularly prickly breakup yeah that you were supposed to go on you're supposed to go there with your wife or a husband i don't know you're your <laughs> lover and like and then it was but it, yeah it was like a divorce type situation I've, ne- I've never been married and then you went to to recover from it you were about to it was it was actually it got called off uh-huh. like at the altar the marriage got called off and somebody was standing there and they're like do you kevin take whoever and somebody just, you know shot up and was like uh-huh. i have reason to believe that kevin's lover is a murderer <laughs> and is a cheater and a liar and then they put out a, they pulled out a powerpoint graph that was weirdly uh-huh. there was a, there was a so this is fred schneider from the b52 I was about to say the b52 singer showed up again it was it, yeah well that's who that's who kevin got to perform kevin was supposed to perform they were going to perform at the wedding at the, right. they were gonna do the reception get- I get like, good time Rock for my Lobster, wedding. it's Kevin's <laughs> wedding, and we're all having a really good time. <laughs> wedding, Kevin's wedding. Anyway, yeah, Fred Schneider like pulls out like uh, he he because Fred Schneider also private detective in his part time when he's not true. Is this like, entertaining accurate. the fans? He's like running around going like text for money. I found some information that you cheating <laughs> on your wife. I'm solving a murder. A bartender got murdered, and I'm solving the crime. He owns some land on a big piece of place that has some oil coming off of it, and it was going to be. Does, does French Schneider only talk in, in rhyme? 
Why? Why do oh, I stop? Mike's getting in trouble just to the listener. <laughs> they they love it. They they actually are, they're asking me to do more. Yes, they are. Let's take a poll. Who would like I'm, him to continue with that? I think it's I think it's really I think it's pretty good. So Brian, I'm enjoying Brian likes it. it. Kevin says he likes it. You're too. all demented. <laughs> weird, weird creatures. Mm. Hurtful, I guess. Hurtful. That was really. We only yeah. we have one we have one one star review. And she doesn't know that I'm gonna keep singing. <laughs> Man, you could probably do that on a road trip yeah. for she, hours yeah, at a time. I know that's the thing. It's just, just the, <laughs> the insanity of her just you know just coming in here and going like, hey. This is my this is my Achilles heel. This is it right here. Mm-hmm. Don't touch this heel right here. This is the thing. Yep. This is the thing that's gonna work every single right, time. Right. All you have to do is something that you want to do anyway. Yeah. I know you'll stop. What was that? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Oh yeah. So Kevin's wedding. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, right. They go and and he reveals all the indiscretions and Kevin heartbroken has to go down to. Cabo San Lucas. Okay. And he's drinking all by himself at a bar Is called Sammy Hagar there. At a bar called Senior Pete's Frog. <laughs> and he's drinking just tequila. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, he looks over there and there's a, a Bam Bam Bigelow and he's just just wearing like the little tidy whitey wrestler underwear and boots. A singlet? Or is he wearing just just the hot pants? It's just the hot pants, okay. but it's it it, it it goes up and covers it's this singlet but it only covers one shoulder so there's one oh so one nip is nip is hanging out oh yeah and then he, he, you look over with tears in your eyes and bam bam bigelow comes picks you up uh-huh. throws you over his shoulder okay a la uh, a caveman and he takes you out to a cove uh-huh. where it just so happens that george the animal steel is out there <laughs> Grabbing and it's like that that movie The Cove where they're killing dolphins, but George the Animal Steel is just grabbing dolphins by the tail and beating them, <laughs> just using his rough raw strength and beating I them by the head was, until he they're was a blood. good wrestler. I don't I don't think he would do that. Is well, he screaming while he's doing it? Just at the top ah, of the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's beating these poor dolphins to uh-huh. death. And then I don't know. The three of y'all have a big three-way in the in the bloody dolphin cove water. <laughs> while, I just while dolphin while dolphin body corpses float around you. <laughs> I just I want to point out for the listener that none right. of that happened. But you do find that pretty erotic. Yeah, but it is hot. <laughs> right. That is. We have identified your. You know, people do people do write a lot of uh, sexy fan fiction about our show. Mm-hmm. It's right. got its own subreddit. Our show Indeed. doesn't have a subreddit, but sexy INS fanfiction does. You guys ready to get started? Yar! <laughs> Welcome to the International News Service. We're your hosts. I'm Kevin Harrison, along with. I'm Brian Camp. I'm George the Animal Mike Weeby Steel. So this week we've got two news stories, a bonus story, and then the Donald P. Belisario sans continues 
and get to know your podcast. Yes, it does. And this is going to be a controversial episode Ooh. of the Donald P. Belisario Sons. Uh, we may have to cut some stuff out. I don't know. I'm going to try and handle it as tactfully as possible. <laughs> uh-huh. I really hey, will. If we gotta, um, if we got to cut some stuff out, we should dump it on the Patreon. I well, don't think that's just, why we're cutting con- it out. Yeah, it's content <laughs> okay. related. It's content yeah. related. So, little teaser. Nothing that I said. <laughs> it's nothing that I'm. It's not. I'm, it's I'm no just reporting com- it. I'm just reporting it. I am just reporting it. Is it? Yeah. It is not a commentary. I'm going to try and be uh-huh. as well. We'll get to it. You'll hear. Okay. So our first story comes to us from the Huffington Post. Oh, Ariana Huffington. No, she sold it a long time ago. She's fine as hell. It's all She's got uh, rock hard nips and she votes Democrat. <laughs> Get me careful conservatives. In 1997, boxers Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield made headlines after Tyson bit off part of Holyfield's ear in the middle of a championship boxing match. Now they're making headlines again by teaming up to sell marijuana. Mike Tyson's company, Tyson 2.0, has introduced Mike Bites, a line of pot gummies that are shaped like ears with a bite taken out of them. (laughs) And on Black Friday, he expanded this line with Holy Ears, a line of THC and Delta 8 infused edibles. Holyfield plans to release his own cannabis line in 2023 and said he he was initially leery. Quote, I didn't think it was funny at first, but then I realized Mike hadn't been in more trouble in a while. He said he'd never tried marijuana in any form until Tyson sent him a sample of Holy Ears and then, quote, I ate it and laid down. I woke up the next morning and was like, whoa. Mike Tyson, who has become a champion of cannabis and psychedelics in recent years, told reporters, quote, if I was on cannabis, I wouldn't have bit Holyfield's ear. I think the real quote would be Evander Holyfield didn't think it was funny at first and then remembered money. <laughs> yeah. How bad is the ear was the ear bite? I don't really I mean he much, bit a piece much of it a, off. Like he removed part a, of his ear. Is it is it like crazy looking now? Or have they like reconstructed it? I think they reconstructed it, but I looked into it. So apparently he bit both ears during the match. They were fighting, and I think they were against the ropes, and Tyson bit his left ear and bit like a one-inch piece off and spit it on the mat and then claimed he didn't know. he did, You know, it was it was an accident. This is in the middle of the third round. So they separate them. They send them to their separate corners. A couple of minutes go by, and Holyfield's like, I'm ready to go. I can still do this. They're like, okay. So the, the third round continues. It's got like 40 seconds left. And then Tyson bites his other ear. The referee's like... Fuck this. It's kind of like a long pause. And then Holyfield's people leave. And he told him to leave because he's like, he disqualified Mike Tyson. And then Mike Tyson lost his boxing license. Like he couldn't box at all after that for a while. And I think he was fined like $3 million. He got it back though. Hey, Mike, is there, I wonder, is there some similarity, do you think, between Mike Tyson and Army Hammer? Wow. Oh. Sounds like they're both 100% <laughs> 
incredible. <laughs> well, well, Mike Tyson never never swallowed any human. That we know as of. far as we know. That we know of. There's an Army Hammer documentary that I actually overheard someone talking about today that uh-huh. I'm planning on watching, maybe tonight even. Uh-huh. Oh. Apparently it's gonna make me stop making these jokes because apparently he is a horrible, horrible fucked up person. But uh until then one hundred percent He's super rich, right? Isn't he just another rich guy? Yeah. yeah, but apparently he had to get a job in the fucking like Caymans selling real estate. Yeah, like, and then he got, and then I think he got embarrassed and quit after two weeks. But yeah, he his parents cut him off because he's an asshole. But he, apparently he comes from a family of like assholes. Yeah, like, yeah. Apparently it's like there's a long history of assholism. It is. It is really sad when you come from a family of assholes and they're like, "No, you're too much of an asshole for us." Yeah, that my family did to me. <laughs> Well, okay, Mike Tyson. So yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I'm constantly wrestling with the difference between like nostalgia and like, you know, only knowing about so many things and only having so much mental history. But I don't feel like there's ever been a boxer since Mike Tyson that held that place in boxing when he was at his prime. Yeah. In my mind, he was the scariest human being on the planet. And I don't, you know, maybe there's somebody that has a better boxing history than him. But I just remember thinking it was so insane that just like, you know, round after like match after match, he would beat these guys in fucking three seconds. Yeah. In like one minute. These heavyweight match after match. And I don't know that it feels like even when you like hear about like Muhammad Ali and guys like that, when they won a whole bunch, it feels like they had like lots of. Like that, none of the matches were just these like fucking one half around minute lasting. Because I, you know, I don't follow a lot of sports stuff, but in my head, like he's one of like the all time, I don't know, like looming larger sports figures in my right. entire lifetime. Yeah, definitely in our lifetime. Like I would, you know, maybe somebody like Jack Johnson or something might be a comparison comparable but yeah for the most like in our lifetime i don't know any other boxer on that level like i know other boxers like you know george foreman or or uh, joe frazier or something but prior to that it would be ali for sure yeah but we by the time you know we knew who that was he was an old man who had you know was kind of past his prime i think the prevailing thought on tyson is that he never was actively boxing at a time where he had a very high-skilled, high-level boxer. I mean, they're certainly great. They're professional boxers, and they're good enough to even get in the ring with him, but I don't think he had a nemesis-type character because he was, when he went to prison, that his peak never lined up with anybody else's, anybody peak. else's peak. And so he just, it was, he was dominant, but he was dominant against maybe what is viewed as lesser competition. Whereas other great boxers typically had a foil or someone you could point to that was the person that that measured their greatness against, right? Yeah. Joe Frazier and Ali. Balboa had like four foils. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tommy Gunn. He had Tommy Gunn. The greatest nemesis. You know what? Who finally beat Tommy Gunn? I'm not going to say it because it was too cool. Um, But yeah, Tommy Gunn, he had. Carl Weathers, he uh-huh. had Mr. T, he had Ivan Drago, and he had Hulk Hogan. Oh, yeah. Who body slammed him, which True. technically is not in the rule book. <laughs> Thunder, Thunder Kiss, was that his name? Or Thunder Lips? Thunder, Thunder, Thunder Lips. Lips. Yeah. yeah. 
That video game, man, I, I sure played the hell out of Mike Tyson's punch out. He was so hard to beat though. I never beat him. Yeah, neither did I. Uh but I, I like read a thing about like what you had to do to beat Tyson and it, it they basically made it so Tyson was unbeatable. I I remember well, I don't know. I never saw anybody beat him either, but I think you could beat him. I, I know. Yeah, I, you could. Was, it was just really hard to do. And some, like all of them, I think there were some a couple of the exploits for Tyson. Wait, are you, you saying could... you cheat at video games, Brian? No, I just, you learned to play it the right way. <laughs> you seem to know a lot about cheating for somebody who doesn't cheat. Not cheating. It's not just because you know how to do some stuff. Cheating. I'm, t- I'm Team Weeby when it comes to video game uh-huh. cheating and that I don't cheat. I'm not Team Billy Mitchell. I'm te- Team <laughs> Steve Weeby. Donkey Kong. Oh, okay. Yeah. Championship master. Even though when I grow a beard out, I look like a guy that would be willing to cheat to win competitive. Oh, Donkey you're Kong. talking about the King of Kong. Yeah, I forgot about that. Like the Donkey Kong champion. Who? Did Donkey Kong just get faster? Uh, that... You get more. You definitely get more flaming barrels coming at you. And this is a crazy thing, but Donkey uh. Kong was the first gorilla to actually take the Alpha Brain Monkey mindset pills. <laughs> kind of got mm-hmm. the best of both of both worlds so the strength of a donkey kong mm-hmm. and the mind of a man <laughs> never before and never since but mike tyson i you know mike tyson was such like a it's weird like because there's some like gnarly allegations against him yeah i don't know where any of that sits i don't know i just don't know i like literally don't know about i'm not i'm not questioning the convictions per se it sounds like you are i don't know i don't just i don't i don't know much but he he definitely i mean he's got this second like life afterwards where he's got like a a broadway show about his life and he had like a adult swim cartoon that cartoon was pretty funny yeah there was a uh like a bio biopic tv show about him on hulu and uh my wife when she was taking breaks from yelling at me was watching it and uh, and I watched some of it. And it was like pretty good, and it really made you, you know, you definitely. And everything I've heard about him, like he had a pretty awful, tragic life leading yeah. up to right. uh, his, you know, insane career success. And well, it's cool that Don King stepped in and really was a positive father. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think they cover that in the yeah. in the film, uh-huh. in the telefilm. But I think that is the other thing about Tyson too is that. You know, with Don King and Tyson, it kind of like coalesced into pay-per-view becoming something that c- could be in every home. And like he was the the one boxer where you didn't have to go to like a bar that had a special connection that, you know, they were paying extra money just to show this match. Like Cheers, like the bar Cheers. Yeah, you, you don't have to hang out with Sam Malone and Woody. Yeah. What about Coach? If Woody's there, Coach is dead. No, they work together. Coach is dead because Mike Tyson punched him. In a way, right? Way he wasn't ring. ready for it. Coach famously yeah. would let anybody punch him as hard as they could in the abdomen. <laughs> yeah. That was his whole bit. Wow! Yeah. Mike Tyson snuck up on him. Well, no, I remember Coach that was Appleton. a crazy thing too of like people doing the pay per view thing back when it first started. And I feel like I might be wrong, but I feel like it was really expensive to watch some of those Mike Tyson fights in the early yeah, days. I, I feel like in the eighties it was like thirty, forty bucks, which was a lot. Yeah. I thought it was like 90 or something well, like maybe that. Maybe it was. I don't know. People would throw in. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of people would have to throw in. Like it was a big deal. And then that would be like, man, you find out later, like it was, the fight was over in, you know, under one minute and right. thinking like, that's not good. 
you for that price, you could have rented every single Porky's movie <laughs> and a VCR. True. Okay, I think Johnny Carson. It was so bad that he was making jokes regularly about wasting money on Tyson pay per view. <laughs> yeah. His monologue. More expensive and quicker than a Mike Tyson fight. Rips open the envelope, pulls it out. Last night with a prostitute. <laughs> so our next story comes to us from Vice. Mm, which, which one? one? Uh, huffing Gasoline. Oh, the Huffington Gasoline Post. That's right. Yes. It'll make your brain smooth. Ow, wow, 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 wow. Isn't that a song you have? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Dracula's. You can buy the their world online. <laughs> yeah. You had a show recently. I did have a show recently. Uh, yes, at the Chess Club in Austin, Texas. And I think it's pronounced Shea Club. Dracula's have a have a new single out, as do the Riverboat Gamblers, who have oh, a show yes. coming up December 17th. Reggie's in Chicago, Illinois. Riverboat Gamblers will be playing songs, uh, not only from our new single entitled Denton, but also uh, our cover of The Kinks, Father Christmas, oh, very yeah. own Christmas song. My, my favorite, well, it's the Kinks Christmas song. The well, first, we, we, but we, we made it good. First 100 paid entrants get a free hot dog. The first 100 people into the show get a free <laughs> Hot dog. Wow. We want our crowd to have the proper nitrate levels mm-hmm. while we <laughs> sing and dance. You're a high nitrate band for sure. Wow. And I'll say this too. I'm planning on losing 72 pounds by that show. <laughs> that's, that's a breatharian lifestyle for sure. Mm-hmm. So the Mexican cities of Madero and Tampico sit just about mm-hmm. in the center of Mexico's Gulf Coast. The area is well known. Well, in the center of the Gulf Coast, what are they fucking Atlantis? No, the center of Mexico's Gulf. So, so Mexico. Oh, no, so they're in the middle of the water. Okay, fucking Wakanda forever. The area is well known for the destruction caused by hurricanes and tropical storms. But for over 50 years, both cities have avoided any catastrophe, and locals say they know why. By being underwater. Mm. Well, so the, the, just, the weather the storm just, goes right on top of them. Well, just hold on here. And they here. just float around there. Nude. Just hold on here. You may be onto something. What the locals say is there is a nearby secret underwater base populated by extraterrestrials. The base... The sea hag. No, she's, she's a sea hag. She's not an alien. It's where the well, witches it's the goons. The they think the goons are aliens, but it's her army of goons. Witches so, that came in from the sea. Kevin's <laughs> <laughs> favorite movie. So that's not my favorite movie. Uh, the base is called Amupac, and it is protecting the area from severe weather. That that's what they say. So the legend of Amupac has made the area popular with tourists, and it now uh, this has is Wakanda forever. This is a hundred percent Wakanda forever. I, I haven't seen that. You know, maybe you're well. It's, like, uh, so they changed Namor. They changed Namor's uh-huh. name to Namor. Uh-huh. And That's they made weird. they made all the Atlanteans or whatever they were uh-huh. in in Marvel. They made them all like Aztecs, and they're all like kind of Az- Aztecian. And for realsies, that's what's happening in there. I haven't seen it either, but I know all about it because I get the Marvel newsletter signed by Stan Lee himself, <laughs> Excelsior, <laughs> true believer. 
Namor's back in the first movie. <laughs> and guess what? Kevin's wife has been cheating on him. <laughs> I, I don't have a wife, but also Stanley is dead, and that was Fred Schneider from the V-52s. This is a solid episode, guys. So, the There's legend, a lot to be proud of tonight. The legend of Amupak has made mm. the area popular with tourists, and it oh. now has lots of alien-themed tourism, including restaurants named for Martians, souvenir stands selling alien toys, and t-shirts declaring the area is Playa Protehida, which it, or a protected beach. Devastating hurricanes ravaged the area in 1955 and 1960 and in 1966, but then something changed. In 1967, well before Wakanda Forever came out, uh, thousands well, of locals. In the movie, the movie Wakanda Forever, but the comic book was out back then. No, they, I don't think Black Panther existed yet. Oh, he existed. We just people hadn't seen him because he was hidden in the in the holographic force shields. It's powered by vibranium, right? But yeah, vibranium powered uh, <laughs> right. hollow shield that people couldn't see, so people didn't really know they existed. Get it together, Kevin. So yeah. in 1967, thousands of locals saw several flying objects in a formation in the sky, and those objects were heading to the sea. Since that time, harsh weather has missed the area entirely. Now, every October, a local UFO group holds lectures on recent sightings, the allegation that ancient uh, civilizations had contact with aliens, and the legend of the secret underwater alien base. One researcher said he's even visited Amupak using astral projection, and that Amupak <laughs> is, <laughs> is intraterrestrial, multidimensional, and constructed of crystal and metals. Uh, it is inhabited by 10-foot or 3-meter-tall, thin, light-skinned beings with a more evolved consciousness than humans. So, 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 Canadians. SCTV. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> case closed. Well, yeah, you can't argue with that. I have a question. How can you use astral projection to know that somebody has a higher level of conscience or consciousness, consciousness. than a person? Well, I think you would project down there and just kind of see what kind of TV shows they're watching. Yeah, oh, okay, it's like they're watching PBS. They're, they're not watching any reality TV. Mm. Right. They're not watching Geraldo. No. Callback. With dressing down <laughs> Stringfellow Hawk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are they watching Airwolf? They might be. They okay. might be. So you're saying uh, Airwolf is a higher consciousness show? Abso-fucking-lutely. <laughs> I don't think but, there's... No one's going to argue that. Okay. And if they do... I'll fucking figure four leg lock them. You remember that move, Kevin? Uh, no, I'm not not familiar with that one. Mm, I think you are. So he said, "quote I can." This is the the astral traveler. He said, "quote I can deduce that they are psychologists, scientists who are connected in this reality, but they live in a space of no time." Oh, they're big feet. Mm. But why does that make them big feet? Well, because they're they're multidimensional. That's yeah. Okay, and they're psychologists, which a lot <laughs> and of they're a meter. They're three meters tall. They're highly intelligent. They have a higher. They are level like big feet if they're psychologists, because big feet know uh -huh. how to get in your head. They know how to get into your psyche and figure out what is the most embarrassing thing, the thing that can uh -huh. hurt you the most. Yeah, and they will exploit it. What is what, what do you is mean? The, like. What is well, this I mean, I, most, one example I can think of is uh, uh, the big feet ripping the trousers off someone. The pantalones. And holding them by both wrists, one hand holding uh, both wrists, holding right. the, 
the person's naked bare butt bottoms up uh-huh. and naked naked fronts you know naked uh-huh. genitals right right and pointing at their genitals and laughing laughing <laughs> laughing laughing why, laughing, why are they laughing, laughing. well cuz to them because they're giant fucking fearsome uh-huh. creatures 3 meters yeah right and that to them genitals are these you know massive uh-huh. grotesque throbbing organs on the males so when those female bigfoots see one that's an appropriate size right for a man of you know six foot two and three quarters it just it seems this is really they they sit there and they think it's real funny and they get every all Uh, these other animals to laugh in because basically most animals are bullies when you get down to it (laughs) oh but those dolphins imagine the dolphins just staring and laughing it's enough to make you want to smash their heads over rocks. Right. Ooh, that'd be... What do you think of that, Kevin? Does that, does that do something for you? I, I, I just don't think it's appropriate to treat dolphins that way. But yeah, to get that back to the story... Not is, appropriate. It like, is it so inappropriate that it's like kind of like, hey... <laughs> naughty. This is inappropriate. Stop. It just, it just Stop sounds it. like this fear is so specific. You're talking about your own fear. I think it's a universal fear. <laughs> I mean, I think it's like fear. I've never dolphins. had that fear before, so I, like I would fear, know. But... It's like it's like fear of being trapped in a cave. I mean, everybody has that fear. Like whenever you see, or you see like a video of like That's Russian just a return to the womb kind of thing. Russians like running on the edge of a building and stuff like that. I think uh-huh. most people get like, oh, it's fucking scary. Russians. So it's that a, same kind it's of a primal lizard brain kind of fear. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Like fear, like claustrophobia. Like claustrophobia. Well, I mean, I think other people run on the edges of buildings, but primarily when you go on YouTube and you see videos, have you never seen those? Like, no. they tend to be Russians. Oh, it's fucking crazy. They like yeah, seriously. Are you talking about parkour? It's like that, but they do it on the top of like giant like construction towers or oh, like, like unfinished buildings and stuff like that, and they'll like hang off the side. I, mean, I don't and, fear it. Watch <laughs> it and and tell me it doesn't like produce some sort of lizard brain like hey uh-huh. you're not supposed to do that it's too oh, okay. high uneasiness a, a certain uneasiness. uneasiness yeah it's the same thing what did mark the call same. that uh imp of the imp of the imp of the perverse but enter the imp of the enter the no is um i think that's what he called it like just this the the thinking about doing something that is obviously a bad idea and then like just kind of doing it but yeah like but just uh, that feeling you, just, you get of of thinking of driving and thinking i could just Turn my car into traffic right, uh, right now. Okay. Or I could just climb out on this, you know, on this ledge and lean yeah, over as jump. far as possible. Yeah. Like the kid in or the kid in Superman two who's trying to get his mom's attention at Niagara Falls. Right. Yeah. Back to the story. So we talked about the the astral traveler and mm-hmm. he had all this spacey stuff to say. So let local- me ask you this. Have they put any sound <laughs> bathers on this at all? Not, not yet. Uh, that's but a good we- question. If it is since if we, it is an underwater thing. I think that like uh, there's a lot of bathing involved. So I think if right. we got enough people on the Patreon, we could send you out in a rowboat with a with a sound bowl to you know gong it a few times and see what happens. I would, I would want to check my leyline map first yeah. before we <laughs> yeah. risk something like that. Yes. But surely okay. there's this is a so, confluence. I would think the yeah. Nazca lines probably, and then. Mm-hmm. Um, some other ancient sites, Giza. Yeah, there's probably also some different, uh, you know, sonic conjectures mm-hmm. within the right. parameters. 
I've got three sentences here. Let me finish this. Oh, up. okay. So we talked about we talked about the astral traveler and uh, what he said. You know, he, all his stuff. So a local, contrary to that, a local meteorologist denounced the idea, saying that the ocean water in the area is cooler than most of the Gulf Coast, and quote manages to pull the mass of air and consequently causes the rejection of hurricanes. The air mass that enters through the Gulf is diverted towards the coasts of the United States and Southern Mexico. That's typical of a media weatherman. I mean, they're, they are, they're, they're deniers of everything. You know, they, they want right. to live in their, their silly little bubble where, you know, true science doesn't exist and they can, they can hold on to their, Right. They're just ridiculous, heretical ideas about where weather comes from. And, you know, uh-huh. it's, it's, it's well, God's, Mike, you would... God smiling is why it's sunny or whatever they believe in. Right. They, yeah, they don't believe you, that. You would agree with me, Mike, that there's also, I mean, there's no, there's no research grant if they solve the problem. Like they, they don't want, exactly. They don't want the truth to come out because then they can't, what is, yeah. they can't. You know, yeah. Then, 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 what's the then, then they don't get to dress up in their cute outfits and stand in front of a green screen and point at boards right. and, <laughs> and make stupid little jokes with you know. They don't get to wear a bow tie mm-hmm. and bring levity to the. It's it's all it's all just network TV news needing to right. make a quick buck is what it is, uh-huh. and that's that's exactly network why TV news in Mexico is Univision. It's big, it's Univision. No, that's that's it's the United States. Univision. They have a network there too. No, it's, it's Una it means one, so they just have the one. Yeah, it's just one. <laughs> so, regardless, the area is now an important reference point for alien enthusiasts in Mexico and has attracted alien themed tourism from around the globe. Is there any video or anything of these ships that come in and out of the water? From 1967? No. There's just eyewitness accounts. Okay. Well, there's, there's, there could be film. Okay, film from 1960. <laughs> right. You know, when Kennedy nope. got it, when Kennedy got assassinated, uh-huh. there's film of that. It's called the MacGruber film, and <laughs> it's called the Zabruder film. Yeah, that's what I said. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, it is MacGruber was a character on Saturday Night. Saturday Night. Yeah, Live. but it was based on the guy who shot the film right. of Kennedy getting it's, killed. Got the no, idea somewhere. It's like it's it's intrigue. It's all that shows all political intrigue, and and mm-hmm. so is what happened with Kennedy. You know, somebody shot him. They say, they say, mm-hmm. <laughs> is that what they say? Yeah. So there is, there has there been more sightings of the, of the aliens around that. Cause it's a lot of UFO sightings in, there's a chunk in Mexico and I feel like there's a lot in South America, but yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Got a they base in have, the Gulf. So they do have a lot of UFO sightings in that area, but yeah, especially with the Gulf, I think you'd see a lot cause you have nothing out there. So you'd see every little light. That, mm-hmm. It's just swamp gas. That's what that's what I, that's what you get when you go eat uh, at uh, Captain D's. <laughs> As, is, is there a single Captain D's that's still in business? <laughs> yeah, you know, and you know what I call it, Captain Disease. Uh, <laughs> that'll, that'll show him. It's that's, it's a double edged sword. If you have a UFO, a lot of UFO uh-huh. sightings or UFO incident in an area or right. whatever kind of crypto thing, do you take it real seriously and? try and get the word out about it and have a, I don't know, like a museum or do you embrace it and have a lot of fun cocktails and themed bars and stuff like that? They seem to have done both. I think you do both. Yeah. I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. 
You know, you know, this is true. Like, I would love to go to Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And apparently there is like they have the Mothman Festival and you can buy lots of like cool Mothman themed stuff. But I guess there aren't very many good Mothman tours is what somebody told me. Really? You can't like, yeah, you can't get a good Mothman tour. You got to sort of take your own. I think a lot of them are kind of like what like a lot of the shit that happened is like way out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, point like Pleasant a lot, is a lot, not... of, a, a lot of. Well, I mean, no, I mean, even like the the Mothman sightings were all in these like old military. I don't know, not bases, but military installations. Used yeah, installations, and I think people were just like going out there to like hump or get high or something like that. Like there wasn't Both like a lucky hump, <laughs> hump, yeah, to make love. Oh, you know, you take you take your lady, you take some holy ears. You guys talking about? You're ready to go. It's a night. Whoopee? Yeah, make whoopee. <laughs> Hump's a little crass. For me. Yeah, I, that's, little, I'm sorry. Uncomfortable with language like that. To go to go necking. Yeah. Oh yeah, necking. <laughs> yeah, necking, canoodling. Yeah. Some... You know the the other thing I was gonna say just is that there are a lot, a lot, and I never heard about these so much when I was a kid. But there's so uh-huh. many water based UFO sightings. The Abyss? Well, I don't know if it's because of the Abyss and the shenanigans of Michael Behean, but <laughs> but it does seem like the it does, you know you when it, you hear a lot of stories about UFOs going in and out of the ocean, right? And I don't know, I never heard about them before the Abyss for sure. Well, if you wanted to avoid detection as an alien species, and you you were worried about being detected by a terrestrial species, wouldn't you hide in the water? Yeah, it's true. Good good hiding I guess place. So. Mm-hmm. All I know is that when uh, Chris Elliott was in the abyss, <laughs> yes. he looks in a computer and says, it's big. <laughs> so our next story is a bonus story. If you want to listen to this, go to our Patreon and subscribe at at least the $3 level. That's the Knights of Kevin level. And you get access to this. And all of our other bonus stories, we've got a bunch in there now. I'm afraid to even count them up. That's how many I'll, I'll lose count. Uh, but I'll give you a little taste. This next story is about 20-sided dice. It's the nerdiest story we have ever covered. Oh, shit. Oh. And there just might be a mention of a catablepus. Catablepus. You know, I don't even have context for what you guys are talking about, right? Catablepus. This is a joke for five people. And I'm not one of them. It's 7-Eleven based. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I hear we have a new Get to Know Your podcast. Oh, are we back? Mm, Who told you that? Donald P. Belisario. We are in the Donald P. Belisario sense. The Donald Penis Belisario sense. You know that was his middle name? Well, no. I mean, his middle name is uh, Persimmons, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he he was known he was only, he was known to have a he's known to have a giant giant cock. Mm. Donald P. Belisario is uh, the the producer writer schooled under the Glenn A. Larson. If you remember the Glenn A. Larson Assance, okay. Uh, originally started as a writer on Battlestar Galactica, and then he went on to create Airwolf, and then. Uh, a few years later, in the year of 1989, he created Ooh. a show called Quantum Leap. Oh, starring yeah. the great 
Scott Bakula. Denton's own Scott Bakula. I am getting concerned about some language right now. Yeah, I don't I'm know. Telling a story. I don't know where Scott Bakula came from, but what Quantum Leap was about, dear listeners, was uh, there was a there was a scientist fella named by the name of Sam Beckett, played by Scott Bakula, who was doing some time travel experiments when he got stuck in a time mm-hmm. travel sort of loop. Unable to get back home where he was leaping, quantum leaping even, Whoa. into other people's bodies. And so he'd leap into these people's bodies from the past and there would be some sort of a problem, some sort of a history problem that he would have to help their lives. Like a math problem? Them. No, it would be, be kind of like, uh, I got a... This guy, he uh, alcoholism uh, messed up and he got in a car wreck and he never got to go see his kid graduate and his kid needed his dad to be there or whatever. So, oh boy, oh boy, yeah. So, so the beginning of each episode, essentially, uh, Belisario he wanted to do a a anthology show, not unlike, but mm-hmm. the, the problem is anthology shows were are not very successful in history you got the twilight zone which did pretty well that was successful outer limits uh outer limits did okay it was only but not even that many seasons i don't think Night uh, gallery three successful seasons alfred hitchcock but the but the television landscape is is littered mm-hmm. with anthology tv shows right. that only made it one season right can I ask a question about anthologies? I'm sorry. Yes. But I just, this is now something I'm Police wondering. Police Story was a very popular one. Did they keep trying to do that because they, the anthology story was so successful on radio? Mm. Is that why they kept trying to go back to that? Because it seems like 50% of old radio is anthology stories, like Suspense and Escape and all that. I mean, it was on for decades, it seems like. I think that that might have been a part of it, but I also think that if you have an anthology series, then you don't have any lead actors that you have to pay more every single season. And you can get away with... I think you can ultimately... They probably can end up being a little bit cheaper depending on you know how science fiction-y they are. Do you guys... And the last thing I will ask, because Uh this is... now Now I'm thinking of amazing stories. It seems like everyone... If you ask them, like, I love the idea of a, a series like that. And I think everybody would say, oh, yeah, that sounds great. A different story every week with some kind of thread connecting all of them. Mm-hmm. But horribly, they, they have, they're not successful at all. And I wonder why that is. Maybe that maybe we'll uncover that truth somewhere in. I think like further exploration of Quantum Leap. I will. I will say this. Like, so studios used to have these giant backlots where they had all of these sets and so when you were shooting an anthology, you could be like, well, one week's a Western, one week's... Uh, like, I, I, actually, a really good example is uh, Back to the Future was shot on like a very specific set that's been used for like everything, from cities to like small towns to Westerns to science fiction movies, and they just used that set all the time. But studios used to have like hundreds of those. And so you uh-huh. can just, and, and now you don't really have access to that. Like you have to build whatever, either on a soundstage or you have to get permits and shoot in public. So you don't even get the, the advantage of some of the cost saving stuff is not even there anymore. Yeah. That's why in the porn world, I got into gonzo filmmaking. <laughs> With the Muppets? Gonzo is, uh, <laughs> it's, it's handheld. Uh, normally the actor, it's, uh-huh. it's two actors uh, that are performing and act together. One of the actors is holding a camera. Occasionally uh-huh. maybe that actor will will 
pull the camera away and point it on themselves and say the numerous acts that they're going to perform. Mm. And uh, as as one actor is performing these acts uh-huh. on the other actor, they are filming those acts themselves, which, you know, and if, and if a gonzo performer knows uh-huh. how to hold a camera correctly, you can get some very interesting angles. Okay. Hmm. Like what? Um, well, there's one called the uh, the Dutch Inside Out, and there's actually a, there is actually an angle called the P Belisario. Oh, oh, man. but P is spelled P E E. Oh, water sports. Going. They call it. That's <laughs> in the water sports. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. So they got uh, the idea was that it'll be this anthology show. Every episode will have the the scientist character leaping into a different body, and they'll be a, you know set up for a different you know sort of adventure each episode. And it is and it is kind of the perfect setup for a anthology show that still maintains the same characters every single time because you can put that character in comedic situations and serious situations. Mm. You can put them in historically like there's an episode a two parter where that deals with the Kennedy assassination. And interestingly enough, Donald P. Belisario, who a, a lot of his shows, Airwolf uh-huh. included Jag, there's a lot of military characters in it. That's okay. because Belisario was in the Marines. Who Whoa. did he serve? Who did he serve with briefly in the Marines? None other than Lee Harvey Oswald. Whoa. Oh. Yeah. So um that was kind of a little 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 tie in for that episode. That's why um, people tune in every week. Every week. So you can have all types of episodes. Um the 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 conceit being that we see the character that, that Scott Bakula jumps into, the audience sees as Scott Bakula walking around the whole time. But when he looks into a mirror, we see a brief vision of what he sees and it's it's the um it's whatever character. So it could be like an old lady. It could be, uh, you know, it could be a, a, a young kid. It could be an old guy. It could be people of different races, different creeds, different colors, all sorts of stuff. Uh, mm. Making Scott Bakula have to kind of understand what it's like to be all these sorts of different different people from a while. For the rest of the cast, the main other guy that's in every episode is Dean Stockwell. He, right. plays, he plays Al, who is... Uh, a a he Dean Stockwell is a guy who's he's been in film forever. He was in tons of movies when he was a little kid. Mm-hmm. He was a child star in a movie called The Boy with the Green Hair. Yes, that was about. Uh, it was it was kind of crazy. It was this movie about a huge phenomenon at the time, baby boomer phenomenon, which is uh, war orphans. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe not baby boomer because this is this is more I guess pre baby like, boomer. Yeah, like like late silent generation people that yeah people that went off to war whose dads got killed and whose moms left him or whatever. And um, so there's a lot, I think there's a huge problem of war orphans back in the day. And this was a movie dealing with that problem. But Dean Stockwell is in a ton of movies, mostly kind of uh, not extra work, but you know, guys without lines, never a lead or even a co-lead and did a lot of TV. And then he got uh, picked up by David Lynch and he was in blue velvet. He played like a villain in blue velvet and that kind of really blew up his career. And then he was in married to the mob the next, the next year and got an Oscar nomination for that. And so oh, wow. then he got plucked for TV and they kind of, he was like, you know, you had this real big career kind of popping off in films this Oscar nomination. How come you wanted to do a TV show? And he, his quote was just, uh, 
the the moment he read the moment he read the the script he thought it was going to be a success and that his idea was to try and get a tv show that he would get stranded in for five or six years because i've done 60 films i don't have anything to prove anymore and i don't care to prove anything in the theater i just want to make some money nice nice so uh, they did that, and uh, the show was a, a pretty big success to the point uh, that I remember in the in the eighth grade, a uh-huh. kid raising his hand and saying, uh, "Mr. Ormsby, could there be a real life quantum leap?" And I'm the sure teacher that took up the rest to, of the day. Yeah, that kind of that really started a real real class discussion. Were you, yeah. were you that were you that kid? No, I was not that kid. That kid was a dumb redneck <laughs> i was a smart redneck <laughs> but so al the dean stockwell character is like back on in our time uh-huh. and he's able to holographically go into whatever time that scott bacula is in only he's a hologram nobody else can see him except scott bacula and he'll come in and give him advice about you know what the situation is kind of what his mission is like ah oh, this this thing happened and we need you to fix it and he's always talking to a really silly looking computer called uh, uh-huh. I believe the computer is called Ziggy. Oh, that's right. And yeah. uh, that's right. and he plays on that. And then there's there's another guy who they only show a couple episodes back at the base named Iggy. Yeah. I think. And Iggy is uh, played by the deceased Dennis, Dennis Wolfberg. Yes. Who was a stand-up comedian who was uh, really great. Really great, fun stand-up comedian that had crazy eyeballs that would yeah. make a lot of he died really young. Anyway, this show was very successful. It was on from from eighty nine to ninety three. Oh yeah, uh, which is you know like it's really like eighty eight or eighty nine to ninety three, uh-huh. which is like the the sum total of like oh that's like all the junior that's like most of my junior high years and all of my high school years. Yeah, that show was always just kind of on. I think I probably got a little bit tired of it at some point because it is just kind of the same episodic thing every time. Right. I always kind of wanted it to actually deal with the problem of how much it would suck to never... You're constantly leaping. And every every right. the end of every episode has, unless it's a two-parter, has him leaping into a brand new time and he'll always has to discover who he is and what's going on. So it always in, he leaps into a new time and it's always usually like an unfortunate situation, like him naked in front of a bunch of people, and he just right. says, "Oh boy!" Then cuts commercial, and then they they well, then it cuts to the end of the episode, and then it, the next episode. Oh, the next one. Oh yeah, yeah. With that, I watched it quite a bit. Did you guys watch it at all when it was back in the day when it was on? I want to say like eighty-eight to like maybe ninety or ninety-one. Right. I was into it, and then I, I, yeah. I kind of stepped away. That was one of those shows I think that's syndicated early. Yeah, like, I don't know what that phenomenon was, where they were probably playing the first season in syndication before. And I don't know if that's possible, but it seemed like yeah. you could see on other channels faster than you would expect to for that era of television. So I think I've seen a lot of it. It was that era of television where it was seasons were like, you know, it wasn't now. I think like a lot of episodes are like we could, you get like 12 to 15 episodes in a season back right. then. It was like 48 or something ridiculous. Right. It was usually 22 to 26, but sometimes they would yeah. do more. Yeah. But I, you know, I I enjoyed it enough in, until it started to feel a little repetitive or whatever. But you know, in five seasons and however many episodes there were, there's no like sequential storyline. It's episodic every time. You get some real weird episodes, and um, 
I would like to tell you guys about a couple of those. First of all, they did they did give it like a weird ending where it ends with on the final episode where Scott Bakula is just kind of stuck leaping. He's kind of ends with them saying that he keeps leaping, hoping for the next next one to finally be his his trip home. But so and that really like bummed people out. And then several years later, they did a made for TV ep, uh, movie oh, wow. where they tied it up and he finally made it home. And I think like his kid or one of his kids or something like that. But some of the episodes had these real, some of them were really silly and some of them would have these real weird, like tinges of kind of sad stuff that would happen. Like where there's one where Sam leaps into Al's body in the past and, and Al's supposed to like save his platoon, Uh but Al in real life is trying to get him to like go AWOL and go home to see his wife that, that died that he never got over and Uh stuff like that. And there's, there's, there's some really like, cultural kind of episodes stuff that dealt with with race with civil rights stuff of him going into different you know people in the in the deep south that in the in the 60s that are dealing with a lot of like race stuff and kind of exploring that which you know sometimes that's fine but sometimes it's a little it's a little jarring when it's this goofy science fiction show and there's holograms of people wearing crazy loud ties that are walking around going like, ah, you gotta, you gotta, gotta fight these, you gotta be careful from these Ku Klux Klan guys, white person. (laughs) But here's some, some fun episodes. There's good morning Peoria where Sam Beckett leaps into a young upstart named chubby checker. He's just trying oh, to get a little, uh, or he doesn't leap into it, but he meets Chubby Checker. Right. Trying to get some, a little ditty called The Twist, gets some airplay. And uh, Sam teaches Chubby Checker how to do the the twist and shows him <laughs> a, little, a little dance that he can do that in the bathroom. There's another episode where uh, Sam shows a very young Michael Jackson how to moonwalk in a public oh, restroom. No. It's a little bit of like, you know, the thing is, too, like, this is pre Forrest Gump, right? So yeah. I think there's a little pieces of this that they kind of, you know, which ultimately is going, I think, back to just the simple line of Back to the Future of, hey, Chuck, it's your cousin Marvin, Marvin Barry. You got to hear <laughs> right. this song. So it's a little bit of that. It's kind of uncomfortable with a modern historical lens, but go ahead. Yeah, exactly. There's, again, there's some uncomfortable stuff here. There's some stuff that gets a little, like, supernatural stuff that kind of makes you question some of the other stuff. There's one where there's another time-traveling guy who might be the devil. Mm-hmm. Oh. There's some stuff with ghosts and, and stuff like that. There's one where Sam actually leaps into a young, pre-fame Elvis Presley. He has extra pressure to not fuck up musical history. Um, and he manages not to, but he, but the funny thing is they do put a saxophone solo into the blue moon of Kentucky, which wasn't in the real version of it. So who knows what that is? There's one episode where Sam becomes 1980s sex therapist and pop culture icon, Dr. Ruth Westheimer. Oh my goodness. Nice. And I'm really kind of dying to see that episode. The thing that they don't really show you ever on any of these episodes, except on this one, I think they mention it that like, so it, when Sam leaps into the body of, in this case, Dr. Ruth, but anybody, anybody's body, that person's consciousness is zapped into the now time, into Sam's body. And because Sam's body is just stuck in this kind of cryogenic looking chamber in our time. And, and in that episode, uh, Dr. Ruth inside Sam's body helps Al out with some of uh, some sex advice. Ugh. Good stuff. 
Okay. I mean, I guess you can't have Dr. Ruth and not have her do that. That was right. Yeah. Yeah. That was exactly. tied to her being famous. It had right. to happen. It's like Mr. T pitying the fool. She's still alive, by the way. Yeah. She's still, still alive. alive. Still fucking. Yeah. <laughs> she just wrote a book called Still Fucking. Still fucking. <laughs> yeah. There's, and there's a chapter that says, Still Boofu in question mark. <laughs> and if you read the chapter, yes. Yes, now Sam can only right. jump into the years that he was born. You know, I don't know how old he was. He was probably like mid forties in 1989. So, however old that is, uh, so he can't like go back to like you know World War One. But he does go okay. back to Vietnam. There's one where he goes back to 1957 Egypt uh, to discover the tomb of Pharaoh. And there's a lot of crazy complicated. It does a lot of the the same kind of uh, you know, Belisario leans into the the same Glenn Larson stuff. Where like, oh, is there a movie that we can kind of rip off in a really half-ass way? Well, oh, let's do it. And they yeah. do they do that a lot. There's a bunch of like there's another there's a vampire episode uh, that questions whether vampires are real. There's uh there's one where Sam is the chauffeur for Marilyn Monroe, and uh, he has to save her from her death. But it only buys on two more years of her life, and when she, you know, ultimately dies by a handful of pills. And you think Sam would have like forewarned her about that, about maybe getting clean and maybe staying off all the drugs. <laughs> right. There's an episode where he's like he joins Kiss, but it's like a kind of a fake Kiss. Um, there's an episode where he's pregnant, and uh, he goes into a girl who's pregnant, and it kind of like messes with his head. There's one where he goes into a chimp. He goes into a chimpanzee. And uh, he wears diapers the entire episode because he's a, and that, that episode is very clearly sort of project X based Okay. on oh, let's yeah. deal with the test. Chip. Matthew Broderick, Broderick and directed mm-hmm. by John Badham. Mm. He is. He was a bad man <laughs> that, yeah, there's the, the evil episode where there's another time traveler who's like an evil guy. Oh, and, I uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and it's set up, it's during Halloween and it takes place in, in Maine. And at one point there's a kid named Stevie that he talks to a whole bunch. Stevie's last uh, name, uh, King. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Um, but by far like the two craziest episodes were there's an episode that weirdly got a lot of flack that probably would have been, I think, pretty well received today where he goes into the body of a guy in the Navy who's there's another character, another naval character who's gay. And in, in, and in the, in the, in the story, the thing he has to correct is all these other Navy guys find out that he's gay and kill him. Oh. And they, they gay bash him to death. And and oh. in the story, he has to, like, help him out. And weirdly, like, this episode, there was a bunch of, like, I mean, this is 89. And apparently yeah. there was people, there were, like, a bunch of sponsors pulled out because they oh, wow. found out this was about. And to keep, you know, and keep in mind, this show is very sanitary. This is a really, yeah. like, clean show. And they had to kind of, like, change the all the wording of the, like, in the TV guide and stuff. You know, there's, like, the three-sentence uh, log line about what the show's about. They had to completely change it so it they didn't mention any homosexuality stuff in there. There was like, ah, oh, there's a problem at the naval base, and Sam has to help fix it or whatever. 
But for some reason, it got like a whole lot of flack from the LGBTQ community when I think that since them, a lot of them have come back um, about it. But it was uh, the episode was called Running for Honor, and it was set in 1964. They lost about five hundred thousand dollars from sponsors pulling out. And, oh, wow. uh, and uh, yeah, they had to change the title to Sam's life hangs in the balance when he's accused of betraying his country. And one of the one of the writers on the show was openly gay guy. And he was like, I'm upset that uh, that they would the gay and lesbian alliance against defamation would go against us because the script does not slur gays in any way. I have the opportunity of getting a primetime television story on gay bashing in an outing. My own group of people is slamming my script down. So I think it was kind of one of those things where they just found out that they nobody had probably seen the episode and they started to go down uh, it. Yeah. But by far, and I, I, I had to kind of go back and find this episode because I remembered it when I kind of was looking up like weird episodes of quantum leap, I remember this episode and this episode doesn't pop up so much. So, so this is, this is, uh, Sam, Sam Beckett leaping into this character. And this is, uh, well, first he leaps in and he says, Oh boy. And then Al, and you don't, you won't see this. Like this is off screen. Al, he goes, Oh boy. And Al, Al goes, Al goes, Oh boy. What do you mean? Oh boy. Why are you oh boying? And this is what happens. Oh no! Uh, oh, Scott Bakula. He must have seen Mickey Rooney's Bill and (laughs) was inspired. Yeah, the most controversial episode, and it's weird that it comes up again, is. When Sam Beckett leaps into a kid with Down syndrome, and the kid is—it's—he's got an older brother that uh-huh. works at the docks, and he wants to get—he gets a job working at the docks, and he gets bullied when he gets a job at the docks. He's bullied and really viciously bullied, and they use the R word a lot in this episode, like a whole lot. Oh, they yeah. use it medically in a term, oh. and they use it in a way where in in a in a medical term way in the way that we though we don't use that term uh, medically anymore right right it was well, used as as late as 19 i don't know like 1991 or whatever there was they were using that term but uh and if you'll notice he has a thor poster on his wall back there and a prince valiant haircut and a prince <laughs> valiant haircut mm-hmm. um and he gets bullied at his job by Mr. Blonde himself, Michael Madsen. Really? Playing a, char- playing a character named Blue. <laughs> um, but ah. Michael Madsen is a real jerk and really picks on a mm. much younger than him. But the the episode, it, the crazy thing about it is it didn't, there was no waves at all made by this episode uh-huh. um, as far as like, you know, pushback when clearly that would have been, it would be very frowned upon to do now. But the character, the character's name is Jimmy. Jimmy comes back for two more episodes. They're both, there's an episode where Scott Bakula ends up in a, in playing a different character. He leaps into uh-huh. a different body and he's in a mental institution and they are giving him electroshock treatment. He keeps, uh, that's it, these different personalities of different people pop up. Well, it's, it's interesting, Mike, because it's, I think that you can point at things historically and 
I mean, obviously, that's not a word that we use anymore, and I think we're all comfortable with that being a word we don't use anymore. But it's well, also I'm not, I'm not comfortable. We're with not, that at all. <laughs> and we we I think Kevin a little right. bit, but there is wait a little bit. What you like to use it? it yeah, use the word. Use com- it when it's convenient. Right. I I don't I I don't agree with that. But go ahead. Make when your you're point. driving. I, I'm a free speech warrior. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody knows mm-hmm. that. Like I I mean, the only uh-huh. reason I even do. The only reason I do anything is to is for free speech, is to champion free speech. That's the only thing I really care. You and you, Lenny Bruce and Larry Flint. And and Larry the Cable Guy. And Larry the mm-hmm. Cable Guy. You know, free speech is my passion. Uh-huh. Free speech is the only thing I think about at all. And part of having free speech means that you have to say even even words that are now deemed uh, not appropriate because we've moved on. We have better words to say now. That doesn't matter. Right. That doesn't matter. It's it's not about having empathy for people's feelings in a world that has evolved. It's about being able to say every single word that you can possibly say anytime you want it and Mm -hmm. have no repercussions. Right. And people also have to think it's funny. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the most important part. And and they have to like me more because of it. Right. Yeah. Otherwise you are the victim. Well, I mean, and I want, and I don't want to like, you know, boohoo and cry, but has my life been affected by this? I don't even know what to call it. This culture that won't allow things. That's like no more. I'm going to call it no more culture. This is no more more culture. culture. Right. Well, that's what we're going to get. No more culture. Well, 100%. 100%. We're going to live, you know, because if it's not, you know, these these words that are the most important thing, then mm-hmm. honestly, I, I, I don't want to live in a world where I can't freely say these words at any given time and be applauded for it. Uh-huh. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I do think that I am going to end my life by my own hands. Wow. Right. I mean, it. you know, when... I don't use the word brave often, but for millionaires to be like, I'm going to use the word anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that, that's brave. Well, you know, guys, really, and if I you think brave, about yeah. it, anytime that we, that we select the language we use, anytime we self monitor, anytime we consider what we're going to say, we're really just self censoring ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you become part of the problem. And that's why for at least four hours a day, I like to just scream sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the only way I can show the world that that I'm not falling prey to their their nanny state uh-huh. censoring fascist ideals. This is America, right? And in America, we're free, and we can say whatever now, the hell I, we want to say. I, yeah. I'm confused by what you're saying, and I, I might need an example. Well, I'm not going to. I mean, I, I unfortunately my child is asleep, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and I'm allowing myself to be censored. See, this is it. This is the problem. This, yep. is, this is how it I starts. Can't believe this is how you it let starts. Yourself under the tyranny of child. I, exactly. I think you should go. I think you should go scream in your child's bedroom mm-hmm. all of these words. Right. Because listen, I mm-hmm. don't want to live in a nanny state, and you know why? Because I don't care for Fran Drescher's voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's grating. It's husky mm. and grating. Well, yeah. yeah, like an annoying Kathleen Turner. Well, yes, I would make love to her vigorously. To, to wait, to Fran mm-hmm. Drescher or Kathleen yes. Turner? Both okay. at yep. the same time, okay. even possibly. We can, mm-hmm. you know, get get some people on the phone. Well, I would have phone sex with them too. Right. <laughs> I, don't I'm I'm again not at all justifying anything but that is of all the words that we're careful of 
That's the weirdest one to me, only because we grew up in an era where there were commercials for the Ark, which was well. I mean, I worked at a Ark. I worked at a place that had that in the title, right? It's, it was the Association of Retarded Citizens, so it's just mm. well, no, it, was, it's a word yeah. that fell into no, favor very De- quickly. I, I worked at Denton MHMR, Mental Health Mental Retardation, right? Well, I mean, my right. my mother was a was like that was part of her like credential, like that she would sign after her name was QMRP qualified. Mental retardation professional. Did she laugh every time she signed her? Yeah. No, oh, that was that. No, there was no allowance of using that word in a derogatory no. way in our house ever. Yeah. Good, good for her. Yeah. It is a weird thing. So I, you know, I I worked at a at a group home for with mentally disabled people, and uh, sure. this was in the oh early two thousands, late nineties, uh-huh. early two thousands, and. To to say that that word wasn't everywhere, and it was like the weird thing that word was everywhere, like forms and stuff. But I, I there was a there was one client that that we had that Mark Mark Ryan actually knows uh, that worked Mark worked with them a lot too. I really liked a lot. He was an older guy, older gentleman, and mm-hmm. when you look at his charts from when he was a kid, it like medically diagnosed him as being a moron or moronic. Ooh. And oh, yeah. medically diagnosed him as being an idiot, you know, and that's not like, you know, but there's no, when, when whoever wrote that was a doctor and there was no slur, there's no weight to the slur the, the, about the that. connotation was not there yet. It was just yeah, the word right. used for that. Yeah. Or maybe it was, I think like with the, the word in question and, and that word back then, I guess there was like a weird duality of that word being a slur and a medical diagnosis yeah yeah i definitely remember where like people would have family members that had that diagnosis but were still sensitive to the word and there was like a a time in i think in the 90s where it was just like we can't it's hard it's we need a new term just because we can't talk about the disability that we are dealing with yeah yeah it's not about it's not about the free speech which i am a hardened warrior for <laughs> it's not just that i'm a warrior like i'm a uh-huh. battle scarred veteran right. oh yeah i'm like an old king covered in scars <laughs> and a, with a giant beard glorious tales have been told about my my fighting in the field my fighting prowess and all the enemies i've felled enemies that were against free speech like a like a high well, level would, barbarian give us an example one of your, um, one of your big enemies uh terrestrial radio <laughs> network tv wow. my mom my mom well, okay yeah i understand <sighs> yeah, that really showed her my mom my dad <laughs> uh oh uh, my fu- my sixth grade teacher miss hurley <laughs> <laughs> and yeah you know and i took some lumps you know uh-huh. i have scars right. i have bruises i've right. got wounds that won't heal from fighting in this free speech wars and i hate to say it today but it looks like it looks like these wars are coming back, and I hate—I hate to say that today. Mm-hmm. And if the world needs another champion, well, then I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to kick kick the ever-loving s out of it. You'll never be appreciated in your own time, Michael. But history will yeah. look on you fondly. Listen, 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 listen up here, you m fuckers. <laughs> wow. Slow down. Slow down, Mike. S my D, <laughs> K my A, L my B. Yeah. Got that one. F-U-N-T-A. Oh, N-I-N, not, okay. <laughs> and T T stands for the. I'll just let okay. you know that. Oh, okay. that. So you use the word 
he used the word in, but then, <laughs> but in. then made an just use T for the. Hey, right. that's part. Of, that's part about keeping speech free. Yeah, don't tell Whoa. them how to do it. Don't, don't, Mike. don't. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, part of keeping okay. speech free is that I don't need to have to spell anything correctly either. I mean, I, I think that you need don't to trample. Be able to... O- don't trample over my free speech by telling me how to spell everything. <laughs> I before E, yeah, if I fucking want it to be. <laughs> y is never a vowel in my speech. Never. Bold. Wait, the letter Y or the word Y? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> right. You sick son of a bitch. And Mike's spelling it for the same thing. So that wraps up another week at the International News Service. Find us across social media at International News Pod. Email us at internationalnewspod at gmail.com and join us next week for our special 100th episode where we have something big planned. Probably, right guys? I got some big shit planned. Thought we were stopping at 99. Check out the INS merch store at Redbubble and our Patreon. We'll see you next week. 100. Thank you for listening to the International News Service. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. INS the news you need.